Well, hello, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm Lance Riley. I'm one of the pastors here at Temple. Uh, Pastor Doug's not here today, as you can see. Uh, he's uh, sharing the word nearby, but uh, in loving on a friend and a, and a church nearby. So you get a rookie. I think I'll always call myself the rookie as long as we have Doug here, right? Well, listen, I'm going to continue in uh, the message of connecting with each other, kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about the last two weeks, certainly with Garrett, and, uh, most, and also, too, along with, uh, uh, with uh, Greg, what he shared, too. We'll kind of go a little bit deeper into the how and why of why we're to connect with each other. And so we'll dig into that. So listen, one of the things that I'm uh, doing today is I'm going to share God's truth with you today. And as I do, I want to tell you something about, about pastors. I'm kind of sharing this not only for myself, for Pastor Doug, and any other pastor. Part of what it's helpful for is just us to hear you, that you hear us. Uh, and so if you hear God's truth today and you, and you want to let us know that you hear it, you can do that by saying amen. Right? You can say, and what does amen mean? Well, it means that's truth. Let it be so. It is so, right? So it's encouraging for a pastor to be able to hear that as you hear the truth of God's word. So here's the thing. I wanted to tell you that I've been praying for you since I've been putting this message together, that it will encourage you and it will build your faith as it relates to knowing the Lord and being in community with with everybody else, okay? Now, one of the, what's the mission of Temple Baptist Church? We've been talking about this, but it's important to keep pressing it on because it goes along with our messages and our, our general themes. But the mission of this church is that Temple exists uh, to guide people to life change in Jesus Christ, right? And, and one of the ways that we flesh this out is by connecting with each other. So part of what we'll be talking about today is we'll be diving in to God's word and let him work through that with us. So we'll be in, if you want to open your Bibles, we'll be in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3, starting in uh, verse 3. Now, when our pastor is away, he encourages us to continue in the tradition uh, of uniting together about what we believe about God's word. We have a creed that we say, and so this creed is really a declaration of what we believe about God's word, and it's a prayer uh, to, for allow the, you know, to ask the Lord to change us through his word. So lift up your Bibles and say this with me. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which has granted to us his precious and very great promises, 
so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and with virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So as we kind of begin to unpack this and understand the importance of connecting with each other, we need to understand the importance of what Paul's trying to say here. And the importance, really, too, that's in verse 8, of having faith and qualities that without them, he's saying that we're living our lives not producing, right? Not, not rooted in Christ, okay? This, this is not saying that we're like we're virtuous and we're, we're without blemish, right? So, and, and listen, I, I don't think any one of us could say that we would want everything that we thought this last week, like put up here on the screens, right? We wouldn't. Or maybe even things that we said, we wouldn't, we wouldn't that played, you know, over this over the speakers here, would we? Like, this is not something we would want. I, I wouldn't either, right? So here's the thing: the reason is because it's a sin divider. Okay, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But if you are centered on yourself, other things will rule your heart. Okay, that's when. In, at that point, there's no filter, right? And it keeps you from Christ-centered relationships. Okay, let's keep lo- uh, going here. Let's look at verse 9 uh, uh, again. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So we're to make every effort to supplement our faith with the knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness. And with what? Brotherly affection, right? And not just brotherly affection, but brotherly affection with love, right? For lacking these, we are not centered on who we are in Christ. So who are we in Christ? So who who are we? In order for us to understand, you know, in order for us to have community among us and for us to be unified in Christ, we have to understand who we are, okay? Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. See, in Christ, we are made in an entirely new creation. Just as, just as God created the heavens and the earth... He made us all of which from nothing. And so he does the same with us. And he doesn't just like clean up our old self. He makes us an entirely new self. 
God himself, in the person of the Holy Spirit, takes up residence in our hearts. We are in Christ, and he is in us. We are renewed. We are born again. The old nature was carnally minded. The new nature fellowships with God and obeys his will. And we are devoted to his service. Our old selves were dead to the things of the spirit. And we weren't capable of reviving ourselves. We were dead in our sins. We were only able to become alive when we come to Christ and he takes up residence within us. Our old selves were brought and raised to walk in newness of life with him. We are made alive with him. We are conformed to his image. We are free from condemnation. We no longer walk in the flesh, but according to his spirit. And according to uh, Romans 12, verse 5, it says this. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of the body of Christ if we are believers, if we are followers of Christ. We are meant to do life together as believers, to connect with each other. Back to Second uh, Peter uh, 1, verse 3. This is just so good. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Church, if you believe that, say amen. amen. Now, now skip down to verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. Right? Did you hear that? I, I see this as saying, step forth and believe. Make every effort. Don't forget who you are. We are not meant to live from our own sense of identity. The Christian life is rooted in getting our identity right. Galatians 2 verse 20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, that's good news right there. Step forth and believe. He gave himself. I no longer live. He who lives in me. Right? Make every effort. Because if we don't, we identify ourselves. But see, Christ identifies ourselves. Our self-identity, as we often do, always leads down the wrong path. And any time we do self-identify, and if, if you do that long enough, sadly it leads to some sort of depression. And hopefully you'll end up in Pastor Doug's office. And he'll remind you of who you are in Christ, amongst other things. 
And Pastor Doug, Doug says this all the time. You get This is just so good and so right. You know what I'm going to say. Only Jesus can fulfill the longings of the human heart. Anything else will, will not give you what you need. Anything else leads to disappointment. Or placing your, if you place your identity in someone else, it will lead to disappointment. If you have been given everything in Christ, we're to live that way. I love that both Garrett and Greg and, and Stephanie this morning, the call to worship were in Hebrews 10. I, I didn't know about that this morning too. Hebrews 10 is just an important just an important part of this faith building that we're talking about. And, and here's this thing. It's an incredible chapter. But I want you to know this about, I don't have time. There are probably a series that can be taught just in verses 19 through 31 of Hebrews 10. I don't have time to share that with you, but I want to encourage you to read it this week. There's. Let me tell you why. There is so much here about the assurance of your faith. If you, if you just, verses 19 through 23, okay, verses 19 through 23 alone are the clearest call to you to live out your identity as a child of grace. Then if you skip two verses, 26 through 31, point out the clear need to take sin seriously. Once we're in the knowledge of, of the truth, to take it seriously. And, and see, in all of this text here in, in Hebrews 10, we, it helps us to remember what we've been given in Christ. To live with hope and courage. Because when you see this, guys, you get the potential that the grace that he has now given to you, and not only that, not, not just in the future, right now, today. The end of that chapter reminds us that the war on sin is not over. We know that it continues to rage on. And, and, and we're to take seriously sin because it says in the end of chapter 10, that God takes it seriously. But then right back up in the middle of that chapter, the two verses that we skipped are verses 24 and 25. Look at 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Verses 24 and 25 are about connecting with each other. They're about being in community, being in fellowship. And, and, and why do we, did he put this right hope here in the middle between uh, assurance of our faith and, and, and taking sin seriously? Because we need help. We need help. And here's the thing, too. We all have a very short memory. We really do. 
And it's not just when you get older, guys. I'm telling you, we, whatever it is, we have a short memory, and we need a constant reminder because we are all desperately needy people. We need help. We are not meant to do this alone. We repeatedly forget about the beautiful and glorious grace that has been given to us. We forget to see life in other people through the lens of grace. We need to be reminded. You know where that happens? In community. Connecting with each other. And you know when we forget it the most? When we've had the most difficult time in our life. When it smacks us right in the face. For whatever reason, we seem to look right at the beginning of whatever has just hit us to forget. Right? And our first thought is, God, what have you done? Right? Or why did you let Satan do this to us? Right? But God, God ordained this beautiful means to keep our identity in focus by living in community. Listen, it, it does, it gets personal. It gets personal because you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable. To share with someone in your life or in your community, community group or, or uh, that what you're struggling with, what angers you, what temptations you might have. In, in order to do that, though, we do, like Greg said last, last week, we have to be in relationship with you, right? We have to be in relationship with you to understand how to stir you up to love and good works. Listen, ask yourself this. And it don't matter whether you're married or not. Ask yourself this. Who knows that you are sometimes not trusting in the Lord? Who knows how many people, uh, how many people know what you think about when you're in traffic? Right? Who knows your deepest struggles? Who knows what you're afraid of? Who, who knows that you're telling yourself that you're not good enough? Who knows that you sometimes forget about the grace that's been given to you? Who knows that you sometimes have doubt? Who knows about your temptations? Who knows? For a lot of us, nobody. We do this in community. We need to connect with each other because being in community keeps our identity in Christ in view. Our call is not to just attend church. And in that, we live as though we're worthy of the gospel. When we're doing that, we're worthy of the gospel. Here's the thing. Paul makes this very clear. Let's switch now over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, 
a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. We're to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Somebody say amen. Now look at verse 2, verses 2 through 6. With How do we do it? Okay, he's beginning to tell us. We do this with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Do you see the importance of relationships here? Right? The importance of community? It's essential. It's central. To live in community is to connect with each other. We're to live our lives worthy of the gospel. We're to live out this gift that's been given to us. The glory that we now have, the hope that we now carry, to be eager to maintain the community within us, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We're to live out this gift with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And you know what happens when we do that? Our identity is transformed. Guys, I can't stress enough to you the importance, how important we should take our relationships How do we maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace without being free to experience our relationships through the good news of the gospel? There's no other way. When we are connecting, we are in community. The gospel, it opens up the doors to share our deepest hurt. It opens up our ability to be vulnerable It creates a space that makes us feel like I'm not alone in my thoughts. I'm not alone in my sin. I'm not alone in my struggles. It creates a space where there's no shame. That's beautiful. And how? Because we're not living for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5 15 says this, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You might be thinking, well, I really don't want anyone to know about my sin, though. I understand. I do. That's, that's why I brought it to your attention in the latter part of Hebrews 10 that God, the Lord is telling us to take sin seriously. Because this is really important. Because our sin, our selfishness keeps us from relationships. 
carrying sin around inside of me is self-destructive to relationships. And that's why relationships are so difficult for us. But the gospel frees you to live worthy. And where do you do that? In community. When Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? He answers by saying this in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. He says that the greatest command is to love God, then love others. It's not love God, go to church, all good, all set, see you next week. It's just not. The greatest command is to first have community with him, then have community with others. It's both. And this is just too important. I have to read this to you from God's word. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says this. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love Love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that he, so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, guys, means to satisfy the wrath of God against sin. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So John says, people who love God, love others. Right? And listen, if we don't love God, we're making ourselves God. Right? And we forget. Right? We forget to be centered in Christ. We forget. I forget. We all forget. We put our faith or our lack of faith in something or someone. Listen, as a someone that handles the budgets for temple, I, I, I honestly do sometimes get worried about our budget. I do. I get worried about it. And when that happens, let me tell you, Doug has to remind me who owns it. Who's in control? And I have to died on myself again and remember. And I'm like, okay, God, you got this. I kind of acknowledge him saying, yes, I do. 
So God restores community with him so that I can have community with you. Back in Ephesians 4, 1. Walk in a way worthy to which you have been called. He's saying live that way. Okay? Now, how? With all humility. Right? It's the opposite of being prideful. The Bible describes humility as meekness or lowliness or absence of self. Humility is a heart attitude. Jesus says that those that are in poor of spirit would have the kingdom of heaven. Listen, being poor in spirit means that those who admit that we, all that we have is to recognize our lack of merit and our complete inability to save ourselves. We die to self so that we live as new creations in Christ. Humility. Maybe uh, you've done this. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm the only one. But if you're a parent, imagine yourself on the beach. You're, you're on a family vacation. All right? You're on the beach. You hear those waves. And it's like angels singing, right? It's like music to your ears. And you're in your, your universe, right? You're, oh, you're just like, oh, this is good. And then all of a sudden, the kids start fighting. Right? And it's like they wrap their arms around your universe and just stop it. Right? And, and, all, and here's the thing. If you're anything like me, you start quoting the Christmas Grinch. Right? Like when, when the Grinch takes that little mask back from Cindy Lou, and he's like, give me that. Don't you know you're not supposed to take things that don't belong to you? What are you, some kind of animal? Listen, if you are, you know you're actually at the center of your universe when you're frustrated that you actually have to parent your kids while you're on vacation. Humility only ever begins when God is in the center of my life and not me. Look at verse 2. We're continuing on. So we're to, the how is with humility and now gentleness. Gentleness is also translated as meekness, okay? It does not mean weakness. Gentleness contains no anger, no, no, no need for revenge, but gentleness is a powerful tool under God's guidance. Gentle words and gentle ways recognize that God's ways are high above our ways. High above our own. To be walking in a manner of gentleness means that we can approach a situation with ease and without argument. Knowing that the person that I'm talking to, that their salvation is far more important than whatever they may be riled up about. Listen, no matter the situation that someone gets themselves into, gentleness never says they need some sense slapped into them. 
It never says that. They need gentleness. Gentleness is in the toolbox of grace. So with humility, gentleness, and now patience. Now everyone says that the true test of patience is your ability to deal with traffic. Not me. Not me. Not me. For me, it's a phone call from my wife or my son. It's only these two people. And they don't get to the point. And my daughter's laughing because she knows what I'm talking about. These two. It's kind of something like this. Hello? Oh, hey, honey, how you doing? I am great. This is good. I'm good. Uh, uh, what's up? Oh, I, I was just calling. Okay, well, how, are you, how are you doing? I'm good. Right? I don't know what it is, but there's something about those pauses that I'm just like, oh, that's what gets to me. Traffic, I can deal with that. Right? But see, patience literally means long-tempered. Now my, not, my wife knows what it looks like on this side of the phone call. <laughs> I'm probably in trouble. Patience is long-tempered. Through the uncomfortable, through the negative, enduring, seeking the Lord's guidance through difficult times, enduring through the waiting. Listen, the worthy walk of patience makes us different than the world. All right, the last part of verse 2, we're still in verse 2. He says, bearing with one another in love. I, I, I kind of think this is one of the most, the toughest ones, actually, because it's kind of a clear picture that the fact that we are all had, have issues, we all have concerns, we all need bearing. Right? Like I'm saying, we're not perfect. I love this scripture that kind of fits it well. First Peter chapter four, verse eight says this above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Above all, loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. That's bearing one another in love. Proverbs ten twelve says hatred stirs up strife. But love covers all offenses. Guys, that's what we're called to. Because that's who our God is. Ephesians, skipping down to uh, chapter 4, verse 32, says this. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So Paul's saying here, I want you to be kind. Tender-hearted, forgiving each other as Christ forgave you. Can you see what Paul's kind of saying here? Based on what God has done for you, be humble. Exercise self-control with your life. Be patient with one another. Love each other. Okay, continue on to verse 3. This is the call to unity says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Okay, be eager. 
It means to make every effort, but do so in a sense enthusiastically. Now, maintain the unity. Let me tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say create unity. Okay, thank you, Lord, for that. It says our duty is to maintain it. He created it. He's asking us to maintain it because unity is special. Because unity, when you, when you take very, very different people and they all come together and they're all committed to the same things, Jesus, the church, each other. Now look at verses 4 through 6. Now we see the basis for unity. This is so important. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, in all, in all. Clearly, unity is a big deal. And if you think about it, churches are full of, of people that are, have all sort of different kinds of opinions in life, right? Like the church is full of people with different personalities, different spiritual backgrounds, and, and, and different patterns. And they all come together with this, these different backgrounds uh, and about how they would handle an issue or how they respond to this or that. And God takes all of these different people and he puts them into a new family. And, and listen, they're going to disagree unless something supernatural happens. Right? So Paul is saying... Work hard to maintain the unity that he gives all of us. So here it is. We have very important reasons why. Verses 4 through 6 are your greatest list that should trump all the differences that we might ever have. Every single time. Here's the thing. There's one body, it says. It's talking about the body of Christ, the church. Which every single person here, if you're here this morning and you believe in Jesus Christ and you've placed your trust in Christ, you're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the church. He says there's one spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit that dwells within us. The same spirit that dwells in me is the same spirit that dwells in you. There's one hope. The hope that one day we'll be united together in heaven with Jesus and that all will be made right and perfect. There's one Lord. Jesus is Lord. There's no debate on that. There's no division about who's on the throne within the church. It's Jesus. There's one faith. There's one baptism. Now, this isn't talking about our our individual immersion of baptism here. Okay, this is the baptism of the Spirit. When you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are baptized in the Spirit. There's one God and Father. Overall, He's the unifier. Sin is the separator. It's divisive. It's disruptive. It's selfish. And it's exactly the opposite that Paul's trying to get, call us to right here. Listen, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus 
no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an, an inversion, an in, complete immersion and embrace of community. I am not myself by myself. You are not yourself by yourself. Now, in terms of where we are in community, there is a very big difference between just being accessible and being available. And I would argue with you this is that as people in a as a culture, we are the loneliest that we've ever been. Fifty-two percent of Americans report feeling lonely. Fifty-eight percent of Americans say that they either sometimes or always feel that no one knows them. Seventy-three percent of millennials say they're lonely. Now listen, those stats may surprise you, maybe not. But I hope you'll understand this. This kind of isolation, this kind of loneliness was never a part of God's plan. God's design for us is to both know and to be known. To both know and to be known. It's not to go to church and say all the right things to the right people just so you know you don't have to get close to someone. And the only way is to, to simply just be accessible, to be available, is to stop hiding. The, the only on-ramp to connection is vulnerability. I'm sorry. I think we resist vulnerability. I, I, know, I know I do for a number of different reasons. But vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. And yet... We treat vulnerability like it's COVID or something. Like not going there. So we put up an armor. We put up a shield. And I love the way that C.S. Lewis talks about this in his book, The Four Loves. He says this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around the hobbies and the little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Some of you may have heard this for the first time. Maybe you've been hearing this your whole life. But if we actually want to live in the kind of connection of intimacy that we're designed for, then we're going to have to be in community. We're going to have to be vulnerable. And I think the best way that you can do that, to, to, to step into that kind of vulnerability, by the way, is to join a community group. And if you're not in a community group, I can't encourage you enough to, to be in one. 
you can talk to me or you can talk to anyone in our staff after service. We'd love to talk to you about getting in a group. I know the groups are full or mostly full, but if you want to be, we will find a place for you, I promise. You can also download our, our church app and you can even church center and you can sign up yourself. Now listen, some of you are already in a group, a lot of you. But some of you are just going to attend because pastor set up here and said it's really important. So it's like, check. So let me encourage you. If you're in a community group, lean in. Lean in. Be fully there. Be fully invested, fully transparent, fully vulnerable. Because that's where growth and healing takes place. Bearing one another's burdens means you're stepping into a brother or sister's life saying, I'm willing to be a part of your struggle. Are you willing? Guys, listen, answer this out loud by saying yes if you are. Are you willing to stand alongside someone that can't stand for themselves? Amen. The mission of this church, temple, exists to God people, to life change in Jesus Christ. The mission doesn't say our pastors exist to God people, to life change. It's not quite right. Temple. It's the church. It's the body. That's all of us. That's you and me. And I challenge you to make life change in Jesus Christ your mission. But change is hard. And it's costly. Jesus didn't just come to announce change. Or to explain how change would happen. He suffered and died to make it possible. And his greatest suffering was the father's rejection that he would turn from him, turn his back on him. And so he said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you and I, through the father's rejection, that we would receive acceptance and we would never see the back of God's head. God doesn't do community. He is community. But in that moment, the beautiful community was broken. And why? To bear your burden. To bear your burden of sin. To bear one another's burdens is the way of Christ. It's the law of Christ. First, love God. Then love others. It's the law of Christ. But guys, to be in community, here's the thing. You got to die. For those of you who don't understand, I don't mean physically. I mean die to your comfort. Die to your plan. Die to your rulership, your, the ownership of your life. But here's the really beautiful an amazing and wonderful thing. In that death, 
You don't get death. You get life. You get life, and it's beautiful. We're to die to ourselves to bear the burdens of others. This fulfills the law of Christ. The life we now live is by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me so that when we are abiding in him, we are changing. We are called to share that with our brothers and sisters, and so then they are changing. I'm going to ask the the band members that are coming up to come on up as I close. For a lot of my life, I've prayed for the Lord to, I think in my own immaturity, I've prayed for the Lord to let me do something big for you, God. Like, let me do something miraculous. Let me do something that save a nation, cure cancer. I don't know how I would do that, but maybe even something heroic. But all the while, I think God was just inviting me to do life with people that look nothing like me, that think nothing like me, that talk nothing like me, to do the hard, patient, gentle, beautiful work of doing life together connecting with each other, walking worthy of the intimate connection that God has called us for. Friends, stop hiding. The best next step you can do today is join a community group. And listen, if you've, if you've ignored everything I've said today and you join a group, that's a win for me. Don't leave today without taking a step towards the intimacy that God has called us and wired us for. And as we sing this last song, we invite you to come forward if you need prayer. If you'd like to join our church, come forward. If, you, if you'd like to pray with someone, I'll be down front. There'll be men and women uh, in the prayer room uh, on your right. And if this today is not the day, we're here all week. Give us a call. We'll be here for you. We do love you. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful for your word. Not only that you've revealed yourself to us, but you've You've, this divine nature, this designed ability for us to, to know and understand how we're to connect with, with each other. That it's, that it's your divine plan for us to know you and to love others. It's all. So God, thank you for all that we are because of you. May we continue to find love through community by loving each other. In Jesus' name we pray.